0: We'll have Brandon Kristoff from KOA Colorado in a few minutes as we are efforting him right now. Do the question out there to you. Two questions I do out there. As a matter of fact, one, we had content day at the Raiders facility. So if you could sit down with and have a conversation with any player, who would it be and why? 69187 keyword r Let us know your response to that. And also, what will be the biggest key in your mind outside of Jimmy G's health for the Raiders to have a chance to be successful? In 2023, those are the two questions that we're asking today. I've got a lot of great feedback both on the phone lines and the Don't be broke.com text line. Like Poncho and Modesto said, What up, Q? The key to success this upcoming year will be consistency and health. Can't get better when the team is up and down throughout the season. And health, because we all know what happens when players get injured and teams have to try and plug and play players into different positions. So Poncho brings up a good point consistency and health. Consistency in a major way. Matter of fact, when we talked to Andre James, uh, he was excited about the consistency of the offensive line and the fact that if you remember last year, what was it, week seven, before they really found out who the, the five starters were going to be on the O-line, and then they they stuck with it. And obviously they had a lot of pride in helping Josh Jacobs lead the league in rushing, but they're excited about the opportunity to come out of the gates with the starting five, knowing who they're going to be, plus they added some depth that they're pretty excited about as well. So there should be competition in the offensive line room coming up during during training camp. But to know that they have five guys that they can lean on they feel pretty good about that. So, Pancho, thanks so much for that text. I do appreciate you joining us now on the phone lines. As promised, is our good friend Brandon Cristal, KOA in Colorado, at BK Denver Sports on Twitter. And, Brandon, thanks so much for your time. I do appreciate you. Wanted to have you on for a couple different reasons, including the NBA Finals, and we'll get to that in a hot minute. But before, before we do that, we had media day today. Uh, we were able to hang out, check out what was going on around the facility with the team. I know you're there at OTAs, and those that's been going on in Denver. How much improvement have you seen from the Broncos from a year ago so far with this team?
1: Well, it's hard to tell because we're not really allowed to talk about what we see at practice anyway. That's a Sean Payton rule. And, and
2: so
1: <laughs> uh, when you see guys make a play, you have to simply say, hey, what can you tell us about so-and-so? Right. Uh, because the other day, I guess Greg Dulcich, who had a – Nice nice uh, rookie season when he was on the field, had a nice catch. And uh, <laughs> the reporter that asked the question was like, hey, I saw Greg Dulcich had a nice catch. And, and Sean Payne was like, he had a good day. <laughs> 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 um, and so, you, you know, so we've only been able to see them twice. We were also able to see the rookies for their rookie camp, uh, but that's obviously going to be even more limited in terms of what you can make out of that because they'd only been in the building for a couple days. And I think that's the way Sean Payton likes it, that he he is out in public probably more than, than some head coaches. He's certainly been at a couple of Nuggets playoff games. He made the rounds at Radio Row before he even really started to dig in in Denver as he was putting his staff together, you know, Super Bowl week. And he doesn't mind being the face of the team. He doesn't give you a lot, but he, you know, is long-winded when he talks. And so uh, we finally got to talk to Russell Wilson uh, in, the, in the first media availability a couple of weeks ago and and they're, they're just kind of trying to fly under the radar the expectations were so high a year ago mm-hmm. because of Russell Wilson coming in and with what you thought Nathaniel Hackett might bring offensively and now fell on their face so it's hard to really quantify the improvement other than to say they spent a bunch of money in free agency obviously bolstering that O-line and if anyone can get more out of Russell Wilson than what we saw last year and, and that he can return to Anything like the form we saw for all those years in Seattle would be Sean Payton, and they're going to certainly try to make his life easier, focus on the run game, and he has a slew of weapons, a really good receiver room that got better when they drafted Marvin Mims out of OU, and they kept Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy, even though they were on the trade block. They get Tim Patrick back. Greg Dulcich will be in year two. So it'll be interesting to see how much they improve. But like I said, the expectations are, are low, and as we both know, Q and every, every Raider fan listening as well, or whatever fan you might be, the Chiefs are at the White House today for a reason. So until they get knocked off, it's kind of silly for any of us to predict that any of the other three teams are going to win the division.
0: Yeah, there's no doubt about that. But Brad, I do want to ask, you mentioned Russell Wilson, and you guys finally got a chance to talk to him. Where is he at right now after knowing that he had a rough first year in Denver and now Sean Payton's been brought in to turn him and this team around?
1: Well, so we went from a year ago where where Russ was putting stuff out on his social media accounts, and this is worth noting, too, unless something's changed. I think it's really fascinating, and you may not know the answer to this, maybe you do, but the person in the NFL with the most Twitter followers is Adam Schefter, believe it or not, with over 10 million. Right. And then second most, more than any other team, is Russell Wilson, who has about 5.6, five, point six, five point seven uh, million on both Twitter and Instagram. Now, his wife has upwards of 33 million. Right. Uh, but, so, Russ obviously likes to connect with his fans and keeps his, you know, his brand going, right? And he got his RW3 Nike gear that's all over town. And I certainly see kids wearing it. My kids have some of it, uh, to be honest. But he was so far out in front of even where the Broncos were last year with some of his posting that it was fine because he thought he was going to come in and be really good. Well, in the Sean Payton world, Russ's posts tend to be pretty personal, right? His, his football camp, his kid, you know, there's, but there's hardly anything of him working with his teammates or, Anything from the Broncos just hasn't been anything that I can think of of him at work unless he's reposting something the Broncos posted, which is very little. And in this day and age where teams are giving you more and more, the Broncos in the Sean Payton world are giving you less. So Russ is a little leaner. He also has been at some Nuggets games. I actually you know, chatted with him in passing before he went on on record and talked about where things are. And so it's it's too early to tell he's got Davis – uh, Davis Webb is his new quarterbacks coach, who walks right off the football field where he started the final regular season game for the Giants. He's only 28 years old, so Russ certainly has plenty more experience than his QB coach in terms right. of understanding how things are in that room. But he's the son of a coach, and there's a reason Sean hired him. And obviously, Sean is, you know, the focal point of running the offense anyway. So it's I don't say it's too early to tell. I just I can't give you a it's like an incomplete answer because we really won't know until we see them. In training camp, we're going to get to see one more day of OTAs this week, and then three days of mandatory mini camp next week, and maybe that'll give us a little bit of a sense of of where it is. But after what we saw last year, with just five wins, it can't be worse. You wouldn't think, and if it is, then Russell Wilson's not going to be a Bronco much longer.
0: I'll tell you what; it sounds like your guys' uh, media availability is about the as, same as ours. <laughs> it's not For a whole
1: sure. lot. <laughs> we were used to that with Josh McDaniels there, and look, they're they're from the same they're they're all from Bill Parcells' tree, right? i mean Josh right. spending all that time with 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 uh, Bill Belichick, and it's just funny because Bill and Josh will give you less. I mean, I think Josh has a little more personality that he'll show, uh, that he can show, mm-hmm. um, But and certainly we hear about Belichick. Sean will, you know, he's really affable and likes to tell stories, but he doesn't want to give you anything as it relates to the football team. So it's, it's kind of the, the same thing. John Fox was kind of like that, too. It was just that he did it with a smile and, and you know, that kind of raspy voice, and so you didn't realize he was literally saying nothing. I mean, he did but you didn't feel like you needed to take a shower which is when you which is how you feel when you leave a Bill Belichick. Press
0: conference. <laughs> right. Brandon Christiles, our guest here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. Now, one one move that happened that me and you have talked about quite a bit was the, the signing of Jarrett Stidham and the fact that the Broncos agreed to that deal before the Raiders even agreed to a deal with Jimmy G. Like, that was immediately as soon as the legal tampering period opened up. What made him so desirable from Sean Payton's point of view, and how much do you think he can actually help the Broncos as they prepare for that week one game against the Raiders?
1: Well, I think in that regard, he can probably help a lot, right? Now, not that all these teams don't really know each other anyway, but he he can talk about Josh's tendencies and and where things stand in the offense with the Raiders' personnel. And we know, certainly, you know, Darren Waller's not back, but with the guys that are back, and and it's no surprise that the offense is going to try to hand the ball to Josh Jacobs and throw the ball to Devontae Adams, right? Right. We can we can uh, deduce that without watching any game film. But so I, I think that will it'll be beneficial. But I think they brought in Jarrett Stidham for a couple of reasons. They like his intangibles. I think you and I talked about that uh, a little bit. And and talking to him coming out of the draft, that was all you heard about, was what a, what a great leader he is in his intangibles. It's, does he have enough tangibles, right? There's a similarity to Mark Sanchez in that regard. Uh, but clearly Stidham might have more. But they think that he might. And so I think he's both a good insurance plan for Russell Wilson and a good potential bridge. The idea that Jarrett Stidham is going to be the Broncos quarterback of the future is hard to see right now. It doesn't mean it won't happen. Mm-hmm. but I don't think he's any kind of plan a I think he's a solid plan B if it doesn't go well with Russ and they want to pull the plug on it at some point early middle or late during the year or if Russ gets banged up and and then if that's the case and they do move on from Russ if Jarrett can't secure the job and, and look like I guess you know for like Brock Purdy right, <laughs> right? You can't find a, a better comp. And I know that you know it's about apples to apples but if you can't just go out and and take over the job, or like a Tony Romo did, or whatever it may be. I know not that the exact same, you know, pedigree with how they came in. But he's been probably a very good bridge to whomever that young quarterback is that they want to go get. If it's one of those QBs in the draft next year, if they're in position to go get them, and and that means that the wheels have fallen off. But then Jarrett will have been in the room, and and he, uh, along with uh, assuming Davis Webb keeps his job as the as the quarterbacks coach, uh, and I'm not, I'm not trying to say he won't, but right. there'll be some continuity there. So I think that. That he was a guy they like his his skill set they like his traits I guess they think they don't have to change the offense much if Russ were to were to go down or, or you know get yanked or whatever and so I, I don't I, like I said I don't think he's a plan A I think he's just a solid
2: plan B for now.
0: What did you think of of Jimmy G? We know that you know he's injured right now but uh, all expectations are he'll be back by camp. You know what Josh Daniels wants in the quarterback and Jimmy G's been in that system before. What do you think he brings to the table uh, if healthy out there with the weapons that the Raiders currently have?
1: Well, and that's the biggest problem, and so for all the things that you like about Jimmy G, the biggest question mark is the if healthy part, right? Right. And he just hasn't been healthy. When he's healthy, he wins. You know, he's been in good situations, right? He stepped in for Tom Brady and won those, well, I guess it was a game or two before he got hurt, and then he obviously has played well when he's been on the field for the Niners with Kyle Shanahan and that great defense and, and those pieces around him there, and so I think that he'll do what you need. I don't know if he's more dynamic than Derek Carr. I don't know if he has more arm talent than Derek Carr, although, you know, it's easy to, and I'm not trying to bag on Derek Carr, but to make the case that he wasn't the same after that injury, you mm-hmm. know, where he missed the playoff run. And since then, he hasn't been fully the same Derek Carr. I still think he can make all the throws, and I think he'll help New Orleans win games. But I don't think there's much of an upgrade. Now, there's not a crazy financial commitment, and I understand the idea of wanting to. Flexible in case something else makes sense, and you know the Tom Brady excitement notwithstanding, or the, the thought to try to get Aaron Rodgers, all that. Jimmy G, I think, is a fine stopgap, but he can't be your Plan A for many more years, I wouldn't think, because you yeah. just can't trust his health, right? right? What's what's the most he's played in a season? Right. And I guess it was when I went on the run of the Super Bowl, right? And other than that, he, he just can't finish season and so it's unfortunate for for Jimmy the player because. I'm sure, like every player, he'd like to be out there, but his body fails him uh, you know, in a number of different ways, some that are fluky, some that you know, you don't know if it's just chronic or whatever. But uh, I, I know this, Jimmy G will, won't lose you too many games. I don't know if he can go out and win you too many games, but he's a solid starter, I guess is the best way to characterize it. But I don't think he's the reason the Raiders would dethrone the Chiefs or make the, make the playoffs because of Jimmy G alone.
0: Right. No, I agree. I agree. And he just, you know, obviously he's familiar with Josh B. Daniels, so that's a step in the right direction. But, again, he's got to be out there to be effective for the silver and black. Again, Brandon Cristal is our guest here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary roughness. I did want to ask you about the NBA Finals as well. Uh, the Heat and, and Nuggets are all knotted up at one. I got to ask, man, as dumb as it's probably going to sound, what in the hell happened to the Nuggets last night, especially at the start of that game? Yeah, they came
1: out flat, and it was funny because I had the first question right out of the box to – Michael Malone post game and asked about the starters and and their lack of contribution. He's like, no, that's not the story. He's like, oh, defense? No. Like, it's the effort. Which mm-hmm. is, you know, and I was aware of that. I just didn't want to come right out and I, I kind of mad at myself for saying, hey, why did they come out flat to start the game and to start the third quarter? To be honest, right. Um, and and he didn't have any answers. Neither did um, Jamal Murray wanted to downplay that effort notion, and, and that's kind of who Jamal's personality is. Jo- Joker said that. He just, you know, they need to be better. It's hard when when he goes out and scores forty one to, to understand his teammates' effort. And then Jeff Green, the veteran, he's like, I don't get it. He's like, it's the F and Finals. This doesn't make any sense. We shouldn't have to even talk about this. Right. Uh, but they certainly were flat. And what was interesting is you, you wouldn't expect that he'd have been the best three point shooting team in the playoffs, and the Nuggets are right there with me. He'd come coming into the series, were thirty nine from three, and the Nuggets were thirty eight point six, but. The Nuggets hit that number last night at 11 of 28. The Heat hit 17 of 35, so almost 50%, 48, 49%. And they missed open looks in, in game one. Michael Malone said that after the game. He was like, look, we gave them a few too many open looks, and we're, we're lucky that that game went in our favor. But they're not going to shoot that poorly. I don't think he thought they would shoot as well as they did last night. Most people right. don't expect the team to shoot 50% from three. But when you're going to give them clean looks and, and plenty of open looks and and – just not challenge it better and, and not switch better on even you know plays at the basket. There are a couple of times Christian Brown and Bruce Brown got confused on a couple of switches, got easy buckets for Duncan Robinson. Open three, a layup from him as well. You just can't have those lapses mentally, and that, I guess that's kind of what Jamal Murray was alluding to—that the discipline, you know, to understand their rules and stay home. And all that being said, they still only lost by three. Their first home loss, they didn't get run out of their own gym. Right, but plenty of people that wanted to go ahead and just pencil in a sweep or say they were going to take this in five, and they still might. You can't keep doing this in the NBA Finals. You're going to run out of games here pretty soon if that's the effort you're going to do.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I, I was never signed up for the Nuggets sweep. I always, I, I, I still think that the Nuggets win in six, Uh, but that's just, that's just me. So we'll see what happens. But what do you think – how does Coach Malone – what adjustment does he make in preparation for game three?
1: Yeah, it's interesting because personnel-wise it's not like you can – do something like we saw Eric Spolster where he played Kevin Love a little bit more and, and obviously snuck in a few more minutes from Cody Zeller, although I don't think that really helped other than it made Joker want to score and not with the pass. So maybe that's their their uh, attempt to take Joker's teammates out of it is by saying, look, you've got a guy you can score on every time. So we're going to let you just trade a bunch of twos for those guys knocking down open threes. Right. Um So I I think, honestly, it it really is an execution and an effort, right? You you can't come out flat. You have to stay on the gas. You have to pick up the intensity. And you have to treat it like it's the NBA Finals, right? Just because people are picking you to win and your prohibitive favorites are in Vegas and all of that doesn't mean they're handing you the trophy or or setting the parade schedule just yet. You have to go out and make the plays on the court. And the one thing we know about the Heat is, well, one, they aren't a real eight seed, so there's that. (laughs) But (laughs) the, the other thing is that they don't go away, right? They're a relentless team. And it starts with, with Spo and then Jimmy Butler embodies it as well and and it trickles down from there. And they have a bunch of guys that have scrapped and clawed their way into the league. When you talk about guys like Gabe Vincent and Caleb Martin and, and other guys that maybe, you know, were forgotten about or afterthoughts on other teams. So it's it's kind of a character thing there with how they're built. And so you're not gonna blow these guys out. You're not gonna run away with too many games you wouldn't think. But the Nuggets are a better deeper team they just have to ex- execute and they have to come out and play the way they're supposed to play, which is what they did knowing they didn't have, I don't say margin for error, but when the Suns have Booker and KD, they're going to keep them in games. And certainly with LeBron and AD, they're going to keep the Lakers in games. And so those were, you know, challenges in their own right. And so, even though the Heat's personnel may not look like that with, you know, I don't know if Kevin Love is a hall of famer and, and who knows where Batman amount of bios career ends, and Kyle Lowry and guys like that. But, Mostly Jimmy Butler, and then how did the other guys play around him? And Bam's a legitimate all-star, it's been a couple of times. But yeah. he doesn't scare you the way those other four guys that I mentioned that he just faced. That being said, you still have to go out and make the plays, and, and they just didn't do enough of that. But I don't know if I'm panicking completely. Plenty of Nuggets fans are because of the way they came out flat, like we talked about. But they still only lost by three, and Jamal did have a good look to tie it up, or a look that he felt comfortable with and Malone felt comfortable with. So if they can just do the little things – they should be in pretty good shape and at least steal one back in Miami to, to reclaim home court if not you know figure out a way to win both games down there in South Florida Wednesday and Friday, games three and four.
0: Well, they always say that you, you don't have a series until the road team wins a game, and the road team won a game on Sunday night. And, again, I, I was pretty shocked because Denver just doesn't lose at home, but the Joker didn't have a triple-double. He went for 41, but he didn't have a triple-double. When he has triple-doubles, they don't lose. So there's no, that. And,
1: and when he scores over 40, they lose. They're over, Right.
0: They're
3: three when he scored over 40.
0: So, which is crazy. Right. So don't don't let them score 40, but let them get a triple-double, and then the Nuggets <laughs> will be where they need to go on their way to victory. Brandon, fantastic stuff as always, man. It's always great to catch up with you. What what do you uh, what, what do you got cooking that uh we should be on the lookout for? Are you writing anything? Are you just doing radio? What do you got going on?
1: No, it's, it's, it's a lot of radio, and then I've been, I filled in a little bit on Peacock on or came on a, on Brother from Another with our guys, Mike Holly and Mike nice. Smith. And I'm looking forward to the Nugget season ending, hopefully with a parade, which is a fun way to end it. Right. And then a couple a couple of down weeks before we you know training camp will be here uh, as soon as we know it, right? Yep. A- everyone else has, has anywhere from eight, uh, you know, 10 to 12 weeks of summer. But when you cover football, you mostly have about eight weeks of summer.
0: So exactly. I want to
1: embrace those four or five weeks that are that are coming for me here, hopefully, after a Nuggets break.
0: No doubt. No doubt. Well, great stuff, man. I definitely appreciate you. Enjoy. Uh, keep watching those Nuggets. You know, we're paying attention from a distance, man. I appreciate you.
1: I appreciate it, Q. Talk to you soon.
0: All right, brother. There he goes, Brandon Cristal. Good, good dude, right there. Uh, covers the Broncos, covers the Nuggets, covers everything Denver sports. Does a fantastic job. KOA Colorado. Last time I caught up with him was in the owners' meetings at uh, in Phoenix, not too long ago. We hung out, had a couple beverages uh, post post uh, our shows and everything, and it was it was a good time.
4: Man, every story had a couple beverages. <laughs> I knew that was coming.
0: How? No,
4: I'm just saying. I, I hey, I am a fir- I am a listener to the show i i (laughs) I am a listener and a contributor
0: fair enough fair enough well i mean it's always good when you have a little bit of downtime to go ahead and have a couple you know a couple beverages with the fellas and catch up you you
4: always got your networking in
0: that's what you're supposed to do. You don't you don't survive in this business without having a strong, strong network. And that's one thing I've learned how to do at a very high level. Many thanks to Brandon Cristal. We definitely appreciate him. 3.20 is the time. We'll come back, get to you some of your calls and texts. And then we have Ed Graney from the RJ. And, of course, our sister station ESPN Las Vegas. He'll join us at 3.30. Also, Marcus Epps and Jacoby Myers. You'll hear from them in the 4 o'clock hours. This is Radio Nation Radio 920. It's Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. Had a fun show so far. We got Ed Graney coming up in about five minutes from now. He'll talk some Raiders, talk some Golden Knights. They're in action tonight, game two of the Stanley Cup Finals. What a victory that they had over the weekend on Saturday. That was fun to be out and about around town and see the excitement from all the, all the locals while the, the Stanley Cup Finals were going on. It didn't matter where you were. If there was a TV, it was on, and it was on the Stanley Cup Finals. So we'll talk to him about that, but we'll also talk to him about the Raiders and just what he thinks about the team, what it's going to be, like the, the question I threw out there, the keys for him this season for the Raiders to have success? I mean, we know that Jimmy G has to be healthy, so I'm taking that out of the equation. But what would be the biggest key in his mind for the Raiders to have a chance of success in 2023? And then I threw out the question as well, uh, since we had content today at the Raiders facility, if you could sit down and have a conversation with any player, who would it be? And got a ton of feedback on the don'tbebroke.com text line, the 69187 keyword r We definitely appreciate the feedback. Jim from Yonkers, our good friend of the show, I'd want to interview Josh Jacobs and see how he feels about the changes. The status of Josh Jacobs is the key. He wants a long-term deal and may not sign the franchise tag. Don't think he has to sign anything he doesn't want to. McDaniel said he had a decent season last season. You could play the tape. I could not believe I heard that. We need to have him on board. Running backs in general get treated horribly. Get paid while you can because their careers are short. Thank you for a great show. It's Jim and Yonkers. And yeah, McDaniels did say he had a decent season, but he was, he was saying that as a joke uh, because he was talking about guys that were out there as – at the facility, and guys that were out at OTAs participating, and guys that were uh, in training camp. And that was referring back to Jimmy G and his health. And so he said that, hey, there's guys that, were, uh, that, that didn't really participate in OTAs last year. Josh Jacobs, he wasn't out here. He had a pretty decent season. But he said it with a smile on his face, and he was kind of shrugging his shoulders. So he was definitely making a joke. He was basically saying, like, these guys don't necessarily need all the time on the grass right now. They can get out there at, the, at, at, at uh, training camp, and and have an opportunity to be really successful. And, yeah, Josh Jacobs did not have a decent season. He had a phenomenal season. He was the engine that made that team go. Devontae Adams, we talk about him and his 1,500 yards. We talk about him and his 100 catches and his 14 touchdowns. We do all of that. But that dynamic worked really well. You know, Josh Jacobs being able to run the rock and, and run it the way he did, run downhill, and, and really be the identity of the team. When Remember, there was weeks on top of weeks when we come in here and say, what's the identity of the team? The Raiders don't have one. I remember doing the Raider roundtable weeks on top of weeks with Lakey Kennedy, and I kept saying, what's the identity of the Raiders team? I don't know yet, Q. I don't know yet. Josh Jacobs allowed the identity to be a strong run game led by him, and then, of course, Devontae Adams in the mix and, and everyone else involved as well. Uh, Devontae, his presence obviously helps lighten up the box for Josh Jacobs, but Josh Jacobs' running ability also helps everybody else out in a major way and helped out that offensive line. And it's funny, and I, maybe on tomorrow's show we'll play some Andre James uh, interviews from the Raider roundtable. That was one of the questions that I asked Andre James was about, you know, running for Josh Jacobs and blocking for him and what he thought and what he was feeling when Josh broke that that game-winning run in Seattle, you know, and, and when he looked up and saw the back of his jersey and that's all he saw. And Andre James' face just lit up when I asked him that question. So that's a conversation that we'll have uh, at some point, or you'll hear that conversation at some point uh, here on Unnecessary Roughness on Radio Nation Radio 920. So, Jim, thank you so much for that text. I do appreciate you. And can keep those texts coming. It's 69187, keyword RNR. Join us now on the phone lines from our sister station, ESPN Las Vegas. And, of course, the RJ is our good friend, Ed Grady. And, Ed, thanks so much for your time. And I know you've been on Golden Night Watch, and you've been doing a hell of a job, and they're up to a 1-0 lead. Of course, Game 2 of the Stanley Cup Finals is tonight. How impressive or how impressed were you with the showing that they had on Saturday uh, as they got the victory over the, the Florida Panthers? Hey Q, what's
2: up? Yeah, um, the, the good thing for them is they didn't really play well and they won 5-2. to two. Right. So, if they can kind of replicate what they did in Dallas in that game six in Dallas, uh, I think it's going to be pretty good for them. Yeah, they weren't great the other night. Um, the goalie was great. Right. Uh, as he's been most of this series. Aiden Hill, you know, I'm sure you saw the save um, that he mm-hmm. made. Yep. Uh, that was just amazing. Uh, but yeah, they, defensively they weren't great, um, and yet they still found a way to win. And now they're three out from it. So uh, you want you want to hold home ice. Um, Florida will have pushback tonight. I think Florida will play a lot better. So the Golden Knights are gonna have to play better as well.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. I think that they're gonna play a lot better also. Uh, and I was I was impressed, like I said, just because you know they put five goals in the in the net. And, and you're right, they didn't play well. But I felt like they took advantages when they had opportunity, especially in the power play.
2: Yeah, they did. It, it's, you know, they they took advantages there. Um, they played physical they didn't let Florida's physicality and especially at the end there you know drive them to doing things they shouldn't have done Um, they were able to kind of keep somewhat undisciplined or somewhat disciplined and they're pretty good at that Um, I think Haig has a lot of fun with that in terms of guys kind of take runs at him and he likes to smile through it they've been pretty good all year at staying out of the box because they are more disciplined than other teams so if you continue to do that and you continue to get power plays you have a you obviously have a pretty good chance of scoring goals and and getting a lead. And, you know, they they went down again the other night. They've now had nine – we had this in the press box earlier this morning. They've had nine comeback wins in the playoffs, and I think the record is uh, 10. Uh, So, you know, you don't want to get down 1-0, but they tend to get down early in games, so it's not that big of a deal. It's not like they're trailing, you know, 3-2 with three minutes left, and then you really might be in trouble. They tend to get down 1-0 and then kind of come back real quick.
0: That, and that—that's what matters. They—they they come back. It's not—it's not like the time when they start pressing, right? It's not—it's not crunch time when they get down. They get down early, no, and, and then they're able to come back, as you mentioned. Again, Ed Graney is our guest of ESPN Las Vegas, our sister station, And also the Review Journal. Jared's got one for you. Go ahead, Jared. Well,
4: actually, hey, buddy. T- hey how you doing, sir? How you doing? <laughs> oh, I'm awake. Um, we, uh, I was actually kind of going off of the fact that they played really clean aggressively. Were you surprised at how aggressive both teams came out? Like, they almost were playing like they don't like each other, and I don't recall these teams having any beef.
2: No, they don't have any beef. They're both really, really hard on the four check, and they are both want to be physical, so I wasn't surprised at that, and I also wasn't surprised because it's the first game, in Cassidy, we just met with Cassidy a little while ago, and he said they didn't play their best game, but... He's right. I think game one is, you know, for lack of a better term, cliche feeling out. Like you just don't know, especially you only play each other twice a year. They split the meetings. You're exactly right. There's really no beef between them. It's not like San Jose or people. You know, you play all the time, and you know Edmonton and people like that. So I guess I wasn't surprised that they were so physical because it was the first game. They wanted to set a tone. Um, But in the end, uh, I thought Vegas responded a little better there. In the end, I think it got away from Florida. There, you know, the physicality and how they wanted to be perceived, and I think it'll be better tonight. I think the Knights have to be, play better tonight to win.
0: Ed Graney is our guest here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. Now, Ed, I did want to ask you a couple Raider questions. Like I said, I know that you've been on VGK Watch. You've been doing a fantastic have job. Have been doing anything lately? A <laughs> 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 little, little something, something's been going on with the silver and black lately. You know, they, they've got some things going on. From a distance and from the conversation you guys have had on the press box when it comes to Jimmy G and the Raiders' offseason and just kind of where they are right now, what is your overall feeling, especially knowing that everyone's still waiting to see when Jimmy's going to be healthy to participate?
2: Okay, so I don't believe that Josh McDaniels in some form is not anxious because when you have a quarterback who failed the physical and had surgery, I know you've probably been told by doctors, hey, it's looking good and he'll be back. But until someone tells me he passed the physical and he's okay to go, I think there's a little anxiety and there should be. I mean, if there's not, I don't know, you know, what your feelings are, how you feel about things, because again, he's had issues in the past with his injuries. Now he's had the surgery and I'm sure Josh is being like, you know, you talked to him the other day, you were there. I I assume that, um, uh, that, you know, when he said, I'm not anxious, I'm not so sure. I, I think, I think you'd have to be human, not to be a little anxious because of his past and because you want to see that the foot is fully healed. But I don't know. Maybe the doctors have completely uh, convinced Josh McDaniels that everything's okay and that he's going to be fine and, you know, he'll be there for training camp. And if that's if that's the case, good for the Raiders. Um, You need him there. You need him playing. Um, So we'll have to see. Um, I think, though, until someone says he's passed his physical and he's 100 percent, he's ready to go. There's always a little, you know, kind of trepidation in the back of your mind that, you know, hey, you know, how, how healthy is he?
0: Well, we know that you'll be available for training camp. You'll be out there with us. Uh, how quickly do well, you think? Are,
2: you, are we sure the Golden Knights will be done by then? Because at this point, <laughs> Q, I don't think they're ever going to be done.
0: They might not be. They might not be. <laughs> they might. They might finish off the season and go keep going into into playing some more. They they might. Yeah. They might like this playing thing. But when you know you'll be available for training camp, will Jimmy G be available? Like, how quickly do you think that he needs to be available for training camp? Well, the sooner the better
2: because he's got to get. You know, I mean, look, he's got to get some kind of consistency with these receivers, right? Yep. The sooner the better for him. Um, Now, you don't want to rush it either because the last thing you want is a setback and then, you know, you're kind of in trouble there in terms of what you do next. So to me, if he's ready to go first day, let him go. If he's not, you know, be careful with it because, again, I think you have to be careful because of his past. Mm -hmm. Um, This is not the first time he's been injured. This is not the first time he's had these type of injuries. But, yeah, I mean, you, you want him there the first day. Unless he's not one hundred percent, and then you got to be careful with him. But you know he's got to get, like I said, and you know this, he's got to get consistency with these receivers, and he's got to get you know uh, playing with them down and how what where they like the ball and what they like to do. So the sooner the better for the Raiders.
4: Ed, if let's say hypothetically Jimmy G isn't ready till game or week five, jeez, how many like what do you put the under over on Brian Hoyer win total?
2: Oh. The three of four on the road. Yeah, that's tough. Um, three to four on the road. Um, one and a
4: half?
0: <laughs> All right, fair enough. <laughs> that's tough. What was, that, I mean, uh, what would you put it at?
4: Uh, three and one. Really? Oh, he you is such the, a – you, the the, posi-
0: you are the positive guy of the group. He is the most – He is the biggest Brian Hoyer supporter. He's been <laughs> – Ever since the whole news about Jimmy G and his, his foot, he's, all he's been doing is texting in, calling in, talking about Brian Hoyer's got you. He's going to be that guy. So he, he's, he's and, and, look, I don't have any doubt that Brian Hoyer knows what he's doing. But, I mean, he's a 15-year vet. He's been in the league for a reason. He knows he's stuck around the league for a reason. But, I mean, ultimately, you don't feel great if Brian Hoyer's a starting quarterback. No, you don't. And nothing against Brian Hoyer. But,
2: you know, it is what it is. Right. Um, and if he's a starting quarterback. Um, I don't, I wouldn't put that number very high. Um, I guess I shouldn't say nothing against Brian Hoyer because I just put it at one and a half.
0: So there's something against Brian
2: Hoyer. Uh, You know, I mean, I don't think you can say both things. Um, But, you know, you asked me to give you a number, I gave you a number.
0: Right. I mean, it's just it's just being realistic. And today we talked to Max Crosby. We are at the Raider uh, roundtable for uh, for content day, and it was about three and a half hours long. But we talked to Max Crosby and he was saying that six and eleven is not okay. Six and eleven. He knows why the fans are are angry. He understands that it's not acceptable. When you have that kind of accountability and leadership from a guy like Max Crosby, how much does that you feel like kind of resonate in the locker room with the rest of the guys? When you know your best guy is saying, hey, what we did last year is not is not okay."
2: Yeah, I think it resonates a lot. I think that guy is as good a leader as they could hope for. Um you know, on the outside world looking in, you know, you hear things like, Hey, if Jimmy G isn't, you know, ready to go, who do you play? You know, there's been a lot of people say, Hey, do you tank? Do you tank for a top pick and try to get a quarterback in the future? All that. Players do not want to hear that. Players no. want nothing to do with that. And and they shouldn't. They shouldn't. I mean it's a it's you know, it's a cliche, but it's a game where the next play could be it. So, you know, you want to do the best you can for each plane is win as much as you can. And in that sense, I don't think they could ask for a better leader than Max. Um, He's intent. He wants to win. He wants to be the best. He has consistently said that, and uh, I don't think they could do better than him. So, you know, I'm not surprised he said all that. And if I'm in that room, I'm listening to him, um, and, and he's leading the way. He'd be the guy, you know, I'd probably first listen to.
0: Yeah, I would think so. You listen to him defensively, you listen to Devontae Adams on the offensive side of things. And if both are talking, then you're really paying attention to what they have to say. Well, Ed, we'll wrap up with this. I threw the question out there today. uh, Taking taking Jimmy G and his health out of it, what will be the biggest key for the Raiders to have success in 2023? (laughs) Like to give them an opportunity to have success, what is it going to take not talking about Jimmy G and his health?
2: I mean defensively I'd imagine I mean you know I you know if, if let's just assume Jimmy G plays yeah um and I do you know I think he's got some weapons there um I think it's it's going to you know when we get to training camp you know I think you and I if Jimmy G's out there and we'll watch Jimmy G obviously everyone's going to be hyped up about him but I think it's going to be more what did they do on defense did the moves make sense on defense um you know did the, did the shut down oh Excuse me, I'm sorry. The, we are now getting kicked out of the arena because the players are in their pregame soccer match.
0: <laughs> nice. I'm telling you. I'm telling Hugh and Jared. Wow. Nice. Oh, you are on. You are on the job. <laughs> I love it. That's that is great I right just, there. I just,
2: I just got run over uh, by Nick Hague holding a juice bottle.
0: That is so, funny.
2: Uh, no, I, I I'll leave it with defense, and I think you guys would agree. Um, they're going to have to really. Um, Show me, and I think show UQ and Jared that they're better defensively. Because if they're not, I don't know if Jimmy G matters very much.
0: I agree, hundred percent. Well, Ed, get out of there, man. Be careful, man. I, know, I need I just, you. I need you to be Nick healthy. Hague,
2: Nick Hague's. A, I just figured out Nick Hague's a really big guy because he just ran me over and he had a juice box and I got a sorry.
4: <laughs> Reported here first, Ed Grady. Nick Hague is big.
0: There you go. <laughs> there Thanks, you go, Ed. <laughs> You, you, All buddy. right. See ya. There he goes. Look on the job hazards right there. You never knew that the job could be so hazardous to your health. Ed on the job. That's that's why. How many times is he the Nevada's Writer of the Year? A thousand?
4: I believe it's a uh, three time. It well since I've known him, I've known him for about six years. He like wins every other year. It's right. like him and someone like somebody wins and then Ed wins and then well, somebody I'm, wins and then Ed wins.
0: I need to get some of his juice because I wasn't a winner when it came to the sports broadcaster. I wasn't a winner. I. I I, I don't know if I came in second or third, but I didn't win, so I got to get a little of his. Oh, juice. Hold on,
4: hold on. You you should get props for that because you I didn't know we could be nominated for
0: that. So you well, we obviously can't. <laughs> I obviously could. <laughs> Okay. It's an I thing. Look, when it's something good, Jared, it's an I thing. When it's something bad, it's a we thing. You got to understand the dynamics, right?
4: All right. Fair enough. When
0: things go right, it's all on me. When things go bad, it's more of a we thing. You know, well, we didn't do that correctly. You know what I mean? From my
4: experience, when things go bad, it's an I thing. (laughs) What did you do? <laughs> uh, I don't know.
0: Right, It happens. No, I got to get I got to get some of that egg granny juice, man, so I can, so I can try to win that award next year. Uh, Kevin Bollinger from uh, Fox Five won it, so uh, he's very well deserved, and he drives a Cadillac, so you know, I wouldn't expect anything less, right? As us, us guys that drive Cadillacs, we live to a different standard. We, we expect nothing but the best from ourselves.
4: <laughs> it's such a It's such a cliche.
0: It, it is. <laughs> But um, it's, a, it's, a, but it's a cliche for a reason. When we go to lunch, what do we do? Go get jump in. The Cadillac. <laughs> exactly. There you go. When we drive, when we drive to Phoenix for the owner's meetings, we're in the, the Cadillac. Cadillac. So there you go. I, look, it's my mom's fault. If you want to blame any blame on anyone, don't look at me. Again, see, this is what I'm talking about. When it's not something positive, it's a we thing. When it is something positive, it's a me thing. This is all Mama Q's fault. I would not be such a Cadillac guy if it was not for her. So there's that so anything i tell the wife that all the time she gets mad and i I told her the other day i took uh, my car in for an oil change and i was like you know the new cadillacs really do look good she's like are you serious get out of here with that so i can't even take my car in for an oil change without her getting nervous because she thinks i'm going to say something stupid or stick around there longer than i need to so there's that. That's you're, what happens.
4: You're such a Cadillac guy. You even uh, order your beverages that way.
0: Absolutely do. 342 is the time. Cadillacs for everybody. That's how we roll. Hit us up. Wbroke.com. Text line 69187. Keyword r and 702 what outside of Jimmy G's health will be the biggest key for the Raiders to have an opportunity and success in 2023? And if you could sit down and talk to any player on the Raiders roster, have a little 10-minute conversation, just you, one-on-one, or maybe even a group of people, who would it be and why? Let us know about it. It's Raider Nation Radio 920. It's Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. Love to hear from you, Raider Nation, 702-365-9200, and the don'tbebroke.com text line 69187, keyword R&R. Of course, that's pushed by the DLC, the Dollar Loan Center. We definitely appreciate them. Threw a couple questions out there to you, 69187, keyword R&R, and 702-365-9200. We had content day at the Raiders facility today. If you could sit down and have a conversation with any player, who would it be and why? And outside of Jimmy G's health, what would be the biggest key in your mind for the Raiders to have a chance of success in 2023, let's go out to the phone lines real quick. Talk to our guy Raider J in Monterey, repping that eight three one. What's up, my man?
3: You know that's right, Q. Hey, thanks for taking my call, brother. I yes, appreciate sir. You. yes,
0: sir. Yes, hey, sir. I
3: don't know what we're doing with the Chiefs fan taking calls for the nation, but I guess it's hard times, man.
0: Hard you times, know. brother. Hard times. <laughs> hard times.
4: <laughs> no worse than a Titans fan doing it. <laughs> well,
3: I don't know, man. It's a poison. Hey, bro. I just um was uh taking off early out of work and I caught uh your question about who you want to talk to. And for me it's Mad Max all day. I got several reasons for that, but first and foremost, you know when when you're watching uh draft highlights early on and you see that highlight and you're like, damn, I wish I could get that we get that guy. I saw this one highlight of Max uh at Eastern and I don't know I don't remember who they were playing and it wasn't even a super big highlight reel or piece, but he was like coming off the edge, maybe it was a little tackle for a loss or something. But his team went uh, ape ish if you will. They, went, uh, they just went nuts for him. Yeah. And I watched how the entire defense, would just they just lost it, and they were all running around with their hair on fire. And it was about who he was and how he motivated his team. I knew immediately that this was a leader of men. And I was like, oh, bro, I hope we get this guy. And then we got him. And now I can't go around talking trash cause I didn't tell anybody. But he was my guy. I'd love to talk to Mad Max. But, um, hey, man, that's it. I just want to call and check in and tell you to tell the nation I love him. And uh, keep doing what you do. Thanks for taking my call, Chief. Hey,
0: great call, my man. Definitely appreciate you. And, yeah, it's always great when you get little W's like that, like little wins, right? Uh, I had similar stories uh, when it came to Josh Jacobs. That was a guy that I, had, I identified early I really wanted the Raiders to go draft him. He did. I ended up developing a relationship with him in Nashville, had a conversation with him, uh, and even suggested to him because that was the day that uh, Marshawn Lynch was was officially retired. I say that in air quotes because I don't think he was ever officially retired or even is officially retired, but there's that. But, uh, yeah, that was the day that they said, okay, Marshawn Lynch is not coming back. And so I talked to Josh Jacobs and I said, hey, there's kind of a hole in the running back position. How would you like playing for the, the Raiders? And obviously the Raiders had already had conversations with him, and uh, he mentioned that, you know, cool, and they're going to go to Vegas, and they don't have any state income taxes. So that always, st- <laughs> that always uh, stands out to me, right? And, and so just knowing that I was able to establish that relationship uh, pretty early, and even to this day we laugh about being in Nashville before the night before he got drafted. So uh, that was always a, a good victory. But there's something about certain guys that you see and you're like, man, Sure would like that guy to be a Raider. Quentin Williams was the other guy, and I know he's a Bama guy. I'm a big Bama fan. Uh, but Quentin Williams was another guy that I looked at, and I was like, man, he'd be a hell of a Raider. Obviously, that didn't help, uh, happen. The Jets picked him one, opp- one pick before the Raiders had an opportunity to. They ended up going with Clee uh, and the rest is history. But that would have been another good player. But it's nice to get that nice little victory and uh, say that you identified Mad Max as a guy you'd like, and then, boom, not only did the Raiders draft him, but he's now on a second contract, and he's the leader of the team. I think that's pretty cool.
4: Yeah, no, that is definitely awesome. Um, what's really funny is I one of my worst misses whenever I used to do a little bit of scouting is uh, I did a little bit on Amir Abdullah and I was all in. Like yeah. I was like this this guy because I I can't recall the other running back that was taken in that draft, but it was like oh no, Abdullah is going to absolutely like he's going to run rough shot yeah in Detroit right that did not happen
0: no but you know what to amir's credit he's carved out a nice little role for himself in the league he's been around the league for a long time but he did carve out a nice role and really uh he's he's another running back in that running back room for the raiders where they're i mean they're pretty deep but he just has this different role right he's obviously he's he's been doing things on special teams but also catches the ball in the backfield really well even had a, a receiving touchdown a year ago so yeah i i think that he's done well for himself now he wasn't the guy that a lot of people expected him to be coming out of school but uh, again being able to hang around the league as long as he has i think that he's he's carved himself a little niche
4: and that's exactly like that's kind of what swelled my heart is that i was like you know what i may have been wrong initially but he's proven (laughs) all the other people wrong who said that oh yeah he's gonna be in the cfl in three years and it's like no he's he has skills Right. So that's one of those that I was that I'm like really proud of that it came back around it another back one
0: around. another one that I was really proud of and I pounded the table for and it's not and I didn't even pound the table because I thought he was going to be a great Raider. I just thought he was going to be a great player. That was Khalil Mack when he was drafted I because I was in Texas at the time and the Texans had the number one overall pick and of course you had to go pick Jadavion Clowney because he had that big hit in college. But that's all he had was that big hit in college, right? That's what everybody knew him from. Now, if yeah. you covered South Carolina, you knew that the dude was a hell of a player. But all I kept saying was, man, I don't think he's a good fit for that Texas. So I'm telling people that that cover the Texans, I'm like, I don't think he's a good fit for what they want to do, what Romeo Cornell wants to do as a defensive coordinator in, in uh, Houston. I think that actually Khalil Mack would be better. He's he's more versatile, could play different roles. And everyone's like, ah. And these are guys at my radio station. They're like, ah, he's a guy from Buffalo. What's he going to do? And I was like, I don't know, man. I'm telling you right now, I think he's going to be a hell of a player. And then when he fell in the lap of the Raiders and they selected him, man, I went to work the next day, man. I was I was the bell of the ball, homeboy. I walked <laughs> I walked in there, man, head up high, like what? Tell me something. Tell me something. And then quickly Texans fans were upset because Jadavion Clowney wasn't available, right? His availability was trash. Ooh. And all of a sudden you realize that, oh, man, Khalil Mack could be a player. So that was a good victory for me.
4: Didn't we, and not to like, you know- Relitigate a draft that was a long time ago, but didn't we know he was having microfracture surgery on his man, knee?
0: I'm telling you, man. He, like, he he was he was a walking injury, and, you know, again, we talk a lot about injuries when it comes to Jimmy G. I mean, that's the same thing with Clowney, right? I mean, it became, that was the conversation about Clowney. It wasn't about his play on the field. I remember there was a time John McClain, the great John McClain, who will join the show tomorrow at 3 o'clock, he said, and he actually had to go out and apologize because he felt bad later, uh, he, he said one day when Clowney had returned from injury, And the reporters were waiting there to talk to him at training camp. I believe he walked right past the trainers or or the uh, the reporters and didn't say a word. Of course, uh, McLean was there as well, and he tweeted out that Jadavion Clowney ignored us and didn't talk to us. I guess he thought he was going to get injured if he stood here and talked to us for a few minutes. He was he was angry, and John don't get angry that often. But he was angry because it's like, wait, hold on, I'm trying to do my job, and you're not giving us any love. And then later, he felt bad because he's like, well, he does get injured all the time, so I probably shouldn't have joked about him being injured. But so he 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 did apologize. But I thought that that was that was pretty funny uh, as well. Got a quick text that I want to get to before we take a break. Uh, how about this one from the 209? Key to success is discipline. Q. Can't let stupid mistakes dictate the outcome. Of games, that is so spot on the truth, so spot on the truth. Penalties, 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 and just dumb mistakes. You can't have dumb mistakes. You can't have those kind of penalties. Uh, And and when I say dumb mistakes, I mean just you know not being where you're supposed to be. You know, putting the ball on the ground when you have an opportunity to make a play, Uh, and then obviously penalties are are the obvious. But you know, when I'm talking about putting the ball on the ground and making a play, that's when you, you know you're you're on defense and you're making. You're making those. those are, I consider those mistakes. You give a team, an offensive team, uh, an extra opportunity, extra snap or two, uh, they're going to score or they're going to find a good way to extend drives. And so, yeah, the, they can't be making those stupid mistakes that you mentioned. Definitely appreciate that. And you can hit us up at 702-365-9200 at the WBroke.com text line at 69187, keyword r Coming up, we'll kick off hour number three of the show. You'll hear from Marcus Epps. This is Radio Nation Radio 920.